listening to episode 194 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the Netflix Showcase Canada co-production of Travelers, starring Eric McCormick and Patrick Gilmore. And our break is over, Sadly. starting tomorrow. Yep. But back we're to back, back to work and, and back to podcasting. Back to podcasting, yeah. So uh, a couple of things before we get started with our discussion of travelers. Um, I don't know if you noticed, because you were pretty busy with the kids and everything. Uh, I put up a take five, since we couldn't get our schedules in sync this week, uh, about a show called Outcast, which I know you don't watch. And it's on Cinemax here in the U.S. It's a Robert Kirkland uh, story, who okay. you know, you, you, I know you sure. know from Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Yep. And we're still waiting on season two in the U.S., which is weird because episode three is airing tonight in the UK and in Australia, or it might be tomorrow because of the time difference. <laughs> Who knows? Right. Um, so still no word on when season two is going to air here. So I thought, well, you know what? I, I cover it for Den of Geeks. So I went back, pulled up my review of the pilot and just kind of tweaked it a little bit because I think it's a show that uh, is really, if you have the time and you're into horror, uh, it's not gory like walking dead but if you're into horror it's worth checking out at least the pilot because the pilot is really good so okay. is it right. available on netflix uh i don't know that to, yeah. t- to tell you the truth it, it's like i said it's on cinemax in the u.s right now it's on fox in the uk and i forget what it's on in australia it's 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 another network that that we've heard of but i, I can't remember what it is but now, another show, and, and I'm not going to shame you publicly, that aired this weekend in the U.S. <laughs> and Go ahead. U- and in the U.K. is, of course, Doctor Who. And and I, I don't think we should go ahead and, and talk about it tonight. We probably should reflect a little, maybe, maybe kind of give our annual Doctor Who season premiere review next time. Okay. But just in general, what'd you think? Um. Well, first of all, the the new companion, Bill, is great. I liked her a lot almost right from the start. You know, I, I don't, I'm not so – because I, I wasn't super crazy about the Christmas episode too, you know. So I'm – you know, like this was a, a, a solid episode, but, you know, it wasn't the blow me away as the usually the season premieres are with Doctor Who, you know. Okay. And why don't you stop there because, you know, we, we could do what we always do, which is – Ten minutes later, we said we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> right, um, and I'm just going to say, like you, I, I definitely liked Bill, and I was ready to not like her. And and you know, I'll talk about that. You know, when when we talk about it at length, it just has to do with any anything new. I, look, I was prepared to not like Tennant because he wasn't Eccleston, right? And we know how that turned out. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I did now, like him at first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. All right. So the other thing was, it's been three years since we began our look at Birds of Prey, which when you think about it, that's really the impetus for Sci-Fi TV Rewatch because we mainly did it uh, to fill the void while we're waiting for the next season of Lost Girl. Right. And we thought, hey, uh, Rachel Scarston's in Birds of Prey. It's right down our alley. And, and, and I thought, wow, three years. So what I've been doing, again, you probably didn't notice, on the Twitter account, every couple weeks uh, – I put up there, hey, if you're doing a rewatch of Dark Angel, 
here's the link to our podcast. Mm -hmm. So I did this over the weekend for Birds of Prey, and dude, it got huge response. Really? I mean, there must have been like 40, 50 retweets and likes, including Ashley Scott nice. and Dina Meyer. Nice. And, and yes, Rachel Scarston, I'm talking to you. <laughs> so I'm assuming you were MIA because you were doing something really sci-fi-ish maybe and she's cool. just really busy right yeah okay whatever i guess we love you rachel all right so before we get any further want to make sure as always we remind you we'd love to hear from you about hey birds of prey if you haven't seen it check it out yeah. and three years ago emails to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Actually, I think it says something different now, but it's pretty clear. Uh, you can also record your own audio, send us the MP3 as an attachment, tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, and consider joining the Facebook group and join in the discussions there. Now, we do have a little bit of sci-fi news this week that, that pertains to travelers. You don't watch Person of Interest, right? No. Uh, and neither do I, but Person of Interest star Enrico Colantoni who also, I know, appeared as Keith Mars in Veronica Mars, and he's awesome. He was Veronica Mars' father, the okay. detective. And he's going to be on season two of Travelers. He's going to play a character named Vincent, who's described as a mysterious individual who may or may not be a friend of the Travelers and is going to, of course, star opposite lead Eric McCormick. So I, I don't know if he's going to be a foil to, to Eric McCormick's character, particularly or the traveling team in general, but I guess we'll see. Now, also guest starring in the second season that's going to be shot in Vancouver is Stephen Lobo, who we know from Continuum, and directing First Lady of Sci-Fi, Sanctuary star Amanda Tapping. Oh, I thought you were say Summer Glow. Yeah, well, she doesn't direct, at least not that we know of. Well, that's, so. that's, that's about the excitement. Summer Glow's directing now? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, hey, some really cool actors to look forward to. And then, you know, I've mentioned several times about my Stargate universe. You know, for me, it's a first watch, and I'm down to the series finale. I got one episode to go. And what's really become interesting is that it's become pretty clear that Patrick Gilmore, who plays David in Travelers, his character of Dr. Dale Volker is every bit the best friend rather than the boyfriend. Oh, no. In the same in the same way he is in Travelers, friend zone twice. Because uh, no, he in in uh, you know he he likes Jennifer Spence's character, Doctor Lisa Park, and we know her as as guidance counselor Ms. Day. But he's too slow to pull the trigger. Another guy gets her affections, and you know, hey, he's left behind again. And then who shows up in the last two episodes? Riley Dolman, who plays Philip. Right. Wow. So, you know, the number of actors who appear in the two shows continues to mount, unsurprisingly, although we only have one episode to go. So I guess not too many can, right. can show up. So that's it for Traveler Sci-Fi News. So and Stephen Lobo, what, he's, he was in something like some show I watched like normally, like recently. Was he on I'm Agents of sure. S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, no, I don't think so. Maybe he was only like, ah, he, he showed up somewhere. Well, anyway, if you get a chance tonight, look it up and then, yeah. you know, bring it up. So, all right. Well, anyway, 
Uh, we're here to talk about episode nine of season one of Travelers entitled Bishop. This was written by Amanda Smith, a first time writer, directed by Will Waring. Solid aired- job, Amanda. Yeah. Well done. Oh, right. A plus. Uh, yeah. Well, A. Maybe A. I, I don't give out A pluses, but if Neither I did, do I. I would probably consider giving this an A plus. Yeah. So n- no less than an A. We'll see how we get. But I just. I've seen this episode three times now, and and it just moves me yeah. every time. Uh, this one aired originally December 12th, 2016. Now, one of the things I really loved about this episode is that it, it seems as if it's just some, a series of confrontations and interconnections, which uh, is just so great the way each character has to face these things. And we've talked about how life in the 21st century is really starting to become, you know, really tied into what it is they're trying to do as these travelers. And it becomes more and more difficult. So, uh, you know, we'll get into the, the different, uh, characters in a, a minute. There, there were some good lines, especially on the plane, which, and that was also kind of ironic that he's never been on a air. I think he says aircraft. He doesn't even say plane. I don't think. Right. Well, he's just never flown before. Right, but but we get that one line, you know, when the congressman won't turn his phone off. But then later, when uh, he's asked uh, uh, to sit down, I'm a federal agent, and I'm a flight attendant. Yeah. Now take your seat. Right. <laughs> like, nice. Um, and then, of course, it was a nice twist. And, and again, this goes back to Amanda Smith and, and, and the script, that instead of assassinating or allowing the congressman to die, which is what I think we assumed was going to be his mission— He's there to save him, but more to the point, he's willing to risk the mission, I, I guess, both near-term and long-term, to save Cat. Right. You know? And then, of course, you know, we've got to ask why save him? Why is he important? And, you know, hopefully we'll find that out. And then, you know, what is it about this mission? Because at the end, I, I think it's Philip, maybe. It could have been one of the others, but, but says that Cat's name was scrubbed from the record why yeah so of course you know, and certainly the com- some of the confrontations have to do with relationships how is this going to change mclaren's relationship with carly now that his relationship with cat has taken a turn so uh, a lot of good stuff in this episode and you know the opening scene uh, you know it's funny because like i said i've seen this episode three times and a couple of things didn't really strike me until the third time. So, you know, we see this couple and they're on a run through a wooded area. When the husband gets a phone call, he stops to take, thought she was going to be pissed off, but right. I guess we, I guess we know why she wasn't pissed off, which then leads you to believe, did she somehow orchestrate that call? Right. You um, know? Yeah. Maybe, but, right. but to have him know, called like, you know, Ray as he's, on the bridge, so, but but how, how would she know that he would sit? Well, you know, on the bridge. Yeah, it seems unlikely that. Well, that's true. I think she's too, probably just looking for any opportunity to kill him, and you know. Like, but we but we keep waiting for the traveler digital display to appear. Right, exactly. And so the first time I saw this, I think, you know, I you you kind of immediately recognize the two people jogging. They're not old, but they're older. I'm expecting there to be a, a countdown any time now. Okay, like one of them has a heart attack or something, you know. 
um, and you're looking for the, the the countdown. And then when she kills the guy, and there's the timer never came on, yeah, you're like, what the hell? You know, right? Because we didn't see her grabbing her head in pain, right? So, or him? I mean, he's the one who clearly was, you know. Right. And then he just pushes her husband off the bridge and then pretends to be hysterical. And like you said, we're like, okay, that's kind of different for an opening scene in Travelers. Right. Which is, which is great. All right. Now, you know, I mentioned about, it's a, it's an episode about confrontations and I I really think it's one of these that, that breaks down, I think by character, you know, more logically. So, you know, like, (laughs) let's take Marcy because I think hers was the first and, we knew there had to be a more forceful confrontation between these two. And I know I've said a lot of negative things about David and and probably by extension, Patrick Gilmore's acting, which really isn't fair to Patrick Gilmore because you know, he didn't write the lines. Exactly. So, and I think the last couple of weeks though, his character and, and, and the acting has just really taken me to a different place. So in, in this really nicely done scene, he confronts Marcy, who's just out of the shower. Well, though, he kind of well, confronts she's, her. Well, she's dressed, but I mean, her hair's wet. She's still combing. No, no, so. I'm saying he kind of confronts her. Yeah, okay. Like he doesn't, and, like, really out and out, like. Well, I, I guess, see, she seems to be not exactly clear at the beginning. I think we are. I mean, you know, he says he can't go on pretending anymore. Right. And she's like, pretending what? Yeah. And we, of course, know what he means well, and, and and but he he's not saying directly what he means so that's that's the thing that annoys me about it it's just like this whole thing like you got to move out well that's not the issue the issue is you have feelings for her okay so the fact that it's inappropriate i guess we moved on from that by this point sure but you know like the you know like just tell her just say i i i, I don't want to be your friend i want to be something more and if that's not happening, then yes, you need to bounce. But if, you know, if you want to move this relationship on, then I'd like you to stay, you know? But he doesn't say that. He's just like, you have to leave because I'm too much of a Sally to just come out and tell you that I love you. you well, know? right. And she is somewhat taken aback. And we've talked before about, well, is there something about relationships in the 23rd or 24th century that she doesn't get that this guy likes her? It's probably but it do- likely. Well, I mean, and she might appear, be a guy. Well, I, well, that's true. And, you know, I, I mean, that's something as we head into season two, wonder whether or not we're going to get a look at what they actually look like. Right. So uh, I, I'm guessing, though, that's not the case. No, I, don't think, but, I, I totally don't think the case. But I mean, it, it is like a possibility. It's possible. Right? Sure, sure. But it does appear that she kind of gets it and and you know she's like you know okay that's fine i'll get my own place and then and then later on david calls her to set up a time for her to get her stuff and and he wakes her up and you know the first time i'm thinking like okay i mean she wakes up and she's kind of groggy and and all of this but i i guess we do forget now it does get brought up again by her that she is literally dying right and you know, like in, in my notes at first, I'm thinking like, all right, why does she seem so sad? It's not that she's sad. She's just physically ill. So right. at some point, does she admit that she has feelings for David? I mean, she seems to admit it. 
Well, they they kiss. Yeah. Well, they do, and it, it is her that initiates it. I mean, she comes to get her stuff, and and really a, another really I thought beautifully poignant scene. You know, he tries to give her his kettle, which just kind of opens the floodgates that you know Marcy tells him she does care for him in the same way. And, he, and she says, I'm dying. He goes, you mean dying like me? No, no, no. I'm literally dying as a result of the seizures. But then his pointing out what it would have done to him had she died after he kicked her out. I mean, that was pretty meaningful, I thought. And, and uh, again, I, I get that she's here from another century with a, a pretty important job. So, you know, we'll, we'll forgive her for not thinking about that. But that would be pretty devastating, you know, mm-hmm. for, so you know, that's something that hit me, you know, on the rewatches. And then of course you mentioned that they kiss and we assume would have ended up in bed if not for the problem with McLaren's flight. Right. Right. Yes. I mean, I, I think we certainly saw where that was headed and um, you know, yeah, go David. Yeah. Kind of go David. I'm uh, well. in go David, but you know, he, he yeah. did finally man up and, you know, like, you know, basically admit his feelings and rather than playing this, you know, even the the phone call, like, well, you know, if you want to come get your stuff and I can be here or not, you know, like this whole like thing, like you're just dancing around, like, just tell the girl you, you're into her, man, you know, stop right. all and, this BS, you know, like. And, and we still don't have an answer that like we talked about last time, she must have her own place. <laughs> Where is it? Why doesn't she go there instead of going to Phillips and sleeping on his couch? Right. Well, she says she she needs to get her own place. So I guess she doesn't, which I yeah, guess so is where why she, she was staying at Phillips the whole time. But yeah, where did maybe she was living stay in, before, though? Yeah, maybe it was some sort of group home. Yeah, maybe. So, all right. Well, Carly's story, it, it certainly moves forward a lot. And again, we've talked about Jeff, her ex a number of times and he certainly doesn't do anything in this episode to get us to like him even a little bit really kind of hate him even more oh my god so okay he confronts mclaren at the fbi headquarters and it's pretty clear that there's got to be a showdown pretty soon because he's pushing this too far And, and i was wondering why mclaren wasn't more clear that he and Carly are not having a relationship, even though actually they yeah, are. Well, that's, yeah, that's part of it. It's like, like Jeff yeah, but nobody is kno- like not wrong, you know? All right, but nobody knows that. Yeah, but still. I, I know. And, and I'm thinking like, okay, is Jeff just not that smart, threatening an FBI agent? Yeah. I mean. That's not very clever when you, you know. You know, uh, let's forget the fact that he threatens him at FBI headquarters. Right. <laughs> just in general. Yeah. All right, so you know we heard last time that Carly needs to come up with a real job to explain where she's getting her money. So she goes for that job at the local nursery, doesn't have a high school diploma, and it, it sounds as if Philip's going to produce, a, I guess, a GED equivalent for her at some point. And I, I love that scene, though, when she, when she comes in and the foreman you know, is interviewing her, and he's like, well... Uh, I got to ask you something, but you know, it don't, don't take it as sexist. And, and you think you're like, okay, what the hell is he going to say? And it's like, can you lift that bag? Over well, there? I, I kind of knew what he was going to say because she came in like right away. We know she's applying for a job at a landscaping thing. And again, not to be sexist, but you know, it's like, 
there's probably not a lot of women in the landscaping business, you know. Well, I understand that, but why would you feel almost uncomfortable about asking such a simple thing that is clearly part of the job, I guess, unless you look at our culture and that you have to be. Yes. Well, that's, that's it right there, right? You get sued for, you know, farting in front of someone. So, you know, like just, I, I, I was going to say, you know that how? Sued for that, but, uh, you know, I'm just saying <laughs> somewhere it's probably illegal, but, uh, you know, but we, we, we are in a very litigious society, you know, where when everything, you have to dance around with everything. And, and so actually, now that I said that, do we blame David for being so circumspect and not just saying how he loves Marcy, but, you know, you know, beating around the bush when that's like, we do that all the time now because we don't want to get sued, right? Well, that, that's true. But I think with David, it really is a, a, more of a case of the the overall situation that a mere few weeks ago, this was a girl that was mentally challenged. And now I'm looking at her as this highly intelligent woman and I want a banger. with medical <laughs> skills who's working undercover with the FBI. So given that my personality is already kind of, uh, you know, laid back and perhaps, you know, a little shy. I mean, I, I guess I understand that, you know, in, in that regard. But what I'm pretty sure is illegal is drinking beer when you're on duty in uniform in your squad car. Yeah. Okay. So, Not you know, we see, yeah, we see him looking at McLaren's uh, FBI and MVA records on his computer and we're not sure at first what he's planning to do, but obviously, you, you know, he's just looking for the address because right. uh, he plans to well, go see. So he, so you know, he blocks Carly from getting, and Carly points this out. It's like, like in the hearing, you said I had to get a job, and how am I going to get a job if you're pulling this kind of BS, right? Right, and, and does he not understand that that's not going to help his case with Carly? He's such an asshole. It's just, oh my god. Well, he yeah. is, but but what I mean, bothers like he, me? He is- actually filed a report for her beating him up. Like how how much like how much of a wuss are you that that you file a report for getting beat up by? Oh, again, I know I'm sounding sexist, but like you know, by by your you're you're a cop. You're supposed to be this big macho guy, right? Right, and she weighs what one twenty? Yeah, she's not like huge, right? Yeah, but you know, I mean, all of that is bad, and I agree with you. But to me, it's like, how stupid are you, dude? Yeah, I mean, in the course of this episode, you've gone to a- FBI HQ, threatened an agent. You claim you want your girlfriend, the mother of your son, back, yet you make sure she can't get a job, even though you know she wants a job, and and. But that I love when she gives him basically her version of the I'm from the future explanation. (laughs) Now, of course, he's not the brightest bulb and she doesn't elaborate too much. But I did like that. And we've certainly seen that kind of thing before. And then at the end, you know, I'm wondering why she agrees to let Jeff take the baby, because we assume it's not permanent. Well, yeah, she just says for a couple hours, right? Right. But. But why, I mean, is this her peace offering? I think she might even say that to get him to back off so that she can move about more freely because she has clearly no intention of ever 
getting back to him in, you know, any form. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand like she's in a pinch here and everything, but like to you know, like she's been so protective of of little Jeffrey and to hand him over to his father. Like I don't know. Seemed yeah, inconsistent, yeah. It, it it did seem inconsistent. I mean, she says she needs time for job interviews, and and certainly that may be the case. And uh, as she said, she's just going to let the chips fall where they may, and and. I'm sure there are some places out there that will hire people that have something on their record. But Trevor is not a huge part of this episode, but we do see his confrontation at the hands of his father, Gary, who brings up the fact that you missed another exam and you've been suspended for a week. Yeah. So how does he get suspended for that? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I know there's... Like, okay, so let's say even if he, like, cheated on a test, like, you get suspended for cheating on tests? Like, I don't know. No, I know we wish we could suspend people for not taking a test. Yeah. But the new plan, though, is to send Trevor to a military school in Idaho for eight months so he can get his act together. And we brought this up again. I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before, but the persona of this man who is over a hundred years old in the body of a 17 year old it's almost as if he doesn't get what he really has to be doing right to play this role in a case in a sense that it's going to be believable but he's you know like that's the thing is like the job as a traveler it's not very compatible with the life of a high school kid you know well, it's not unless you were a 20-year-old back, you know, in the 23rd or 24th century and then you would at least have that kind of a mindset uh, albeit from Yeah, right. two, I mean, two or three got, centuries. He's got like like he's about to sit down and watch golf with Gary. He gets the call and he just takes off, right? Like yeah. he's got a That's why like Philip is really the only one who doesn't have issues with that with just being able to at a moment's notice be on mission right and i mean i did like the fact that that he does try to meet actually they both try to meet each other halfway you know uh, gary comes out and talks to him while he's planting and uh you don't have to do anymore your mother told me to do it anyway and you know the thing about whether there's golf on today so uh, you know so we don't really see a lot of trevor in this episode but we do see a lot of mclaren and of course, ultimately, everybody gets tied into the mission with McLaren on the plane. So uh, it begins when he goes to his car and he finds that package addressed to his traveler ID and the, the notation, keep with you at all times. Right. Which I didn't see that. I mean, I saw that there was a note, but uh, I didn't you know pause it to see what it read. But then like the next scene, he's like, oh, I guess I need to keep it with me at all times. I'm like, oh, so I guess that's what the note said. Right, and and you know it's pretty hardcore if Philip can't get inside. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think he says it's a combination of digital and mechanical locking system, clearly based on their tech. But he is able to determine that it's going to be opened remotely. So I guess they just basically concede the fact that we'll just have to keep it with you, and we'll see what happens when it's supposed to happen. But. We also see that that Philip's in pretty bad shape. You know, he's trying to stay clean for as long as possible, but 
Uh, you know, yeah. I don't see how that's going to happen without hospitalization. I mean, is Marcy look and look at the shape she's in now. Right. Phillips dealing with the, the monkey on his back is to me, like, I think one of the most compelling aspects of uh, conflicts in, in the show. And one that probably doesn't get as much like, uh, I don't want to say, I guess screen time as like the other conflicts maybe, uh, because his is internal, right? Sure. But, so. but, you know, I guess one thing that also strikes me about the director who we clearly knows is aware of what's going on. We know there are many traveler teams. Why does he not give them a month or so off so that Philip can kick this addiction instead? You know, every little thing that happens just as they're about to maybe improve on a situation boom, they're called away. Right. So I got to believe that's intentional. It's almost as if he wants them to fail on a certain level. Or or she. Or she. Um, I just think that the nature of being a traveler is you're constantly on mission and that you don't really get time off. And even when they, you know, you know, destroyed the uh, or, or knocked the um, asteroid off, you know, out of its path, seemingly saving the future. It appears that, as as we learned last uh, episode, that things have just they're even worse, right? So, yeah, and maybe this is all a byproduct of trying to course correct what's going on, now. right? Which is maybe you know inevitable, um, yeah, but. Yeah, so I, I think really it is just we we see the the veteran traveler teams that they've run across have all been just kind of worn down and cynical, right? Oh yeah. So I think it's just the the nature of the of the job is that you are constantly doing things and on missions and everything, and, and you just don't have that time. You know, there's you you only get as much time as like you know as there's things that don't need correcting but it seems like there's always things that need correcting so right and there has to be that simple temptation that you know what life is pretty damn good here in 2016 i'm just gonna walk away and blend in and you know yeah certainly uh, it's gotta be re- well, I mean, we saw what happened to uh, uh donner right yeah yeah when he decided to i'm just gonna hang here Took that attitude. Uh, that the did not the travelers did not react well to that decision. Yeah, I wonder if Stephen Lobo's character is going to come from the future, you know, set up little company here in the present, make <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Oh wait, that was the other that character. Sounds a unique uh, idea. Yeah. All right. So McLaren's car. He was in Supernatural, <laughs> by the way. Oh, okay. So McLaren's car stops at a light. A woman traveler gets in, tells him she's there to brief well, him on Well, not just a woman meet. traveler. It's the lady who yes. killed her husband in the beginning. Exactly. And I didn't pick that up the first time. Right. So the target is Congressman Bishop. Apparently, we think at this point, they're supposed to kill him on a flight later that day. Tells him that the case he has will do what it's supposed to do. Because, you know, the woman even says something about, you know, we'll just be glad you didn't have to assassinate him or, or assassinate somebody. Well, well, he, he uh, he's talking to Kat, right? There is something about Kat. I can't remember exactly what happened. but So so what she means is be happy that you haven't been ordered to assassinate your spouse. 
Right, exactly. As right. she, I, you know, we saw her do it. So. Right, right. So we learn fairly quickly on that, that killing the congressman is, is, we think at this point, apparently an attempt to stop some sort of pipeline legislation from moving forward. Or and, maybe they want to make sure it moves forward. Well, right. And then we find out he had attended a funeral, we assume, of the guy that was killed in the opening scene. Secretary Hayes, he's called. So I'm wondering, okay, Secretary of the Interior. I mean, is this like a big pipeline? Is this? I don't think so. there's many little ones. Okay. Now, Carly is at Phillips for help with Jeff when he realizes that it's McLaren's flight uh, and he hears the number and he knows, of course, that it's going to crash. Right. And that's wild. Like, see, I mean, that, like, like Mark, that, that's the turning point where the whole episode. All of a sudden, the intensity gets ratcheted up to about a thousand. Yeah, like when Philip opens his eyes and it's just like, you know, his reaction to hearing the flight from the from that point out, it's on. Like the whole rest of it is just like I said, it's it's like classic episode of twenty four from like the rest of the episode. You know, decisions are made, choices are made, and of course, they really you could say they have no choice. Trevor walks out of golf with Gary. How is he going to explain that again when he gets back? Carly has left baby Jeffrey with with Jeff. And given, you know, the the state of McLaren at the end of the episode, it's not likely she's going to go right back and pick up the baby. So how is she going to explain that? Then, of course, you know, there's the realization that Kat's on board after her conversation with Jeff, who basically tells her, your husband's having an affair with my girlfriend. You wonder how much is going to get resolved because of the plane crash, which, again, as you alluded, here, here's the turning point in this script, which heretofore was a pretty strong script in and of itself. But now it's like you said, ratcheted up to a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, up to this point, it's a pretty standard for what we know from travelers, you know, like a lot of the the conflicts that we're used to seeing and they're trying to deal with the. You know, like the the real world versus you know their job as a or you know or the I guess the lives that they entered into versus their job as a traveler and the conflict between those and like, okay we're used to seeing this a lot and then all of a sudden that like and like what better way to demonstrate like how much which of those is going to take precedence over the other by Trevor getting the call and just walking out yeah you know, like when there's something to do as a traveler that takes precedence over everything. And, and then all of a sudden the whole rest of the episode is just about trying to save, you know, McLaren. Right. And, 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 you know, this is the point that the team finally reestablishes contact with him who now knows the fate of the flight. And, uh, Philip recounts exactly what happens to the flight. And interesting, like he, he doesn't want to say, the the exact details and i think it's trevor that just really almost coldly matter of factly explains and it's going to crash in six minutes or whatever yeah. it is he, he says but suddenly the box opens revealing some sort of a device and the message that says save bishop right the senator of course and this is a device and it seems as if mclaren recognizes it for what it is which is a portable stasis field which is going to protect two people the idea was going to be bishop and mclaren but there we have 
the other problem. Cat's on board, right. who's convinced he's having an affair with Carly, which ironically, as we said before, yes. he is. <laughs> so now he's got a decision to make. And all while this is going down, Marcy brings up the fact that the future doesn't like it when they improvise their missions, which is exactly what they're doing here and which is what they have been doing. And it got me to thinking, this can't be unique. They can't be the only traveler team that has had to improvise at different points. Sure. Right. And maybe that's why things are still bad. Well, it could be. All right, Dave, actually, this uh, this is a point, because I I had this question on my mind, and this this episode kind of brought this up, but is Travelers kind of like a cyberpunk show, like, backhandedly, though? Like, all right, listen to what I mean by that. So, So, obviously, the 21st century where the Travelers are in right now is not cyberpunk, right? That's our world. It's Everything's pretty much messed up as it is now, but or as fine as this not depending on how you see it. But there's this future that is clearly cyberpunk, right? Okay. So do we have to actually see that for it to be since so many of the themes that bleed into the the show are based on how awful the future is, right? Right. So is it then by default kind of like a cyberpunk show? Um well, I mean, I, I guess you could say that. I mean, you know, cyberpunk, we don't really know. I mean, I mean, it's like more like the, the technology is pretty advanced, but they time travel. Well, yeah, but but it's also culturally like cyberpunk. It, it's almost like do you, you remember Johnny Mnemonic? I mean, that's yeah. kind of a good a good cyberpunk where he's really kind of a, a, a low life in a high tech world. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the interesting thing is we don't really know right. what, what it's going to be like. So, But I still contend that we're going to see the future sometime. Like they got to they show us what it's like. Well, I hope so, too. You know, I've read some things on different forums where, you know, fans even mention they hope they don't go the continuum route where they do right. – show you and and i guess i would contend and it sounds like you would contend also that that i think if it's done well it it really would you know i think add a lot to the show yeah take i just like to put an example out there is the first two terminator movies that i think did a good job of just giving you a little glimpse of what the future is like so just to contextualize the, the the struggle for the people in the present and and i guess the other you know, I guess question that, that kind of piggybacks onto that thought is how important is it that we know what they look like in the future, what they really look like, or, or should we be left to, to guess? And, and should we be left to, you know, kind of examine them and relate to them as they are in this world? Right. I mean, you could see, see it from both sides. Yeah. So, well, Philip tells McLaren that the only part of the plane that survives is the tail section, uh, but don't don't even think about it because yeah. the 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 speed at which that's it hit, not going to help you, buddy. Right, and, and and I think again, Philip's like that's not what he's saying, but it really, a, another really emotional scene, even more than than David and Marcy's scenes. You know, Grant has to walk by his wife. 
once, right? She says, Grant, and he just walks by, doesn't say anything because he's got the, the senator or congressman or whatever he is. Yeah. But then he does come back and he's like, I'm, I'm sorry for taking so long. And, and we realize what it is that he's going to really do. And, and, it's, and it's really a complicated scene because technically she and Jeff are right about Carly and McLaren. But, you know, he's willing to give his life for his wife and and to then watch Carly on the ground react as emotionally as she does is, is equally as heart wrenching. You know, right. when, when she realizes that the the stasis chamber opens up and it's the congressman and cat. Yeah. And so like, it's like kind of like a double burn for Carly here because you know, not that she, you know, wanted Cat dead, but you know, like she, at, at some part of her mind, she must have thought, "Oh, hey, that's not so bad. The cat's going to die. She's going to go down on this plane. So that's going to kind of free up, you know, Grant." Then, right? But I guess because everything is happening so fast and so unexpectedly, because this wasn't part of the team's mission so you know they're finding out this information on the fly right. so um I, I guess it's not something that she i think would even have time to consider uh, now, i think it, she probably had time to consider it well i think before it's like okay maybe if you leave him or divorce him that would be cool no, and <laughs> nobody's hurt but uh yeah, but i mean when, when she heard that cat was on the flight like i mean must have like at least just for a second maybe i'm just a horrible person dave i think well, is basically what well, we're finding out here today yeah, so. well, well well speaking of horrible i mean the 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 impact as the plane hits wow yeah, yeah. really and again from a special effects really done well yeah and you start to think it's like god you, should you guys be this close <laughs> because yeah, right even see them kind of ducking that that expecting some debris was going to come as far away as they were but the chamber rolls away from the explosion they run to check on the survivors and marcy resuscitates both of them and then the senator becomes a host for a new traveler and i'm thinking like well wait all of that just for a new traveler right yeah like couldn't but, they have just like like take them off the plane to say, well, Hey, Congressman, come with right. me. Right. Right. But, but still at the end, why do they want the Congressman? What is it about? Uh, it seems like some of this pipeline. Well, right. Or something else, but, but clearly having to do with the power he wields in Washington, DC. But of course, Kat sits by confused by what she hears. I mean, Carly and Trevor run to the tail section. And, and when they get there, there's already an EMT unit on the scene. And, Which is weird, of, right? Right. One of them says, how'd they get here so fast? Yeah. And of course, we we know. And Trevor implies that they're travelers as well. well they got to be. Right, right. Yeah. And then- It's it, not like it, there's it like some EMTs passing by and say, hey, that plane looks like it's going down. Let's let's get to the spot where we think it's going to go down. Yeah. Right. And, and we see them taking McLaren away on a stretcher. And then again, I'm not sure which of them says we're not supposed to be here. Yeah, you think? Yeah. But this episode, I mean, question number one for me, and and again, I've said several times, well, now at this point, we, we've both seen the entire run because you binged it a couple weeks yeah. ago. Uh, but I don't really exactly remember how things transpire, but Kat has heard not only Grant, 
but others refer to themselves as travelers. So right. what qu- questions is she going to ask and how far is she going to go demanding answers sure. from her husband? Well, the question I don't think she's going to ask is, are you guys like from the future? Like she's not going to, that's not, she's not going to go there. You know, she might think he's in some kind of terrorist organization or something like that, but she's definitely not going to like, I don't think just like, we just can't fathom that, you know? Well, I mean, given that he's in the FBI, which obviously she knows he is because she's been to his office, right. that I, I think she could explain some of this away as black ops or, you know, something like that, that I can't talk about even within, you know, right. the FBI. But but it's still, you know, like to the, the technology where you can like be ejected from a crashing plane and live is just not a thing in the 21st century, you know? No, no. So maybe we'll see her Google. Uh, (laughs) All right. So the other thing is how David's going to approach Marcy. Now that she's told him she's dying. I'm wondering, is he going to approach McLaren with that information? Because then it makes me think, does McLaren know she's dying? Oh, and I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember either. And because clearly, he's, well, David, he's like not really even up on Philip's addiction, right? No, not not as much as he probably should be. Right. But then again, I mean, he's the the leader. You know, he he delegates that. That's that's kind of Marcy's job to, to keep tabs on Philip. How's the relationship between McLaren and Carly, and the relationship between McLaren and Cat? How is that going to change? I mean, obviously, Carly knows far more than Cat. Right. Carly basically knows everything. Right. But what she does know now is that McLaren has feelings for Kat. Yes. Right. I mean, that had to probably piss her off a little bit too. Well, maybe she hasn't time to process it just yet. But I think on reflection, she might be a little annoyed that he saved his wife. Right. I mean, is he going to try to explain it away as. I need her for my cover, which is not really that convincing. <laughs> and I don't think she's buying well, it because I'm not going to buy as it. As both of us, again, I just sound so misogynistic this time. But I'm just saying, as a married individual, explaining things away is not usually a thing that happens too much, right? No. No. Never like, works. Like if you start thinking, I got to explain this away, then that's uh, not going to happen. You just hold your hands out, put the cuffs on. You say, "Here's the truth. I'm guilty." Nod your head. Punish say, me. Yes. So, all right. Of course, that makes it sound like I'm into uh, S and yeah. But hey, you never know. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So just have a safe right, word. I, I, I'm going A plus. I mean, I think this is one of the best episodes of the season for sure. Well, now I know why the kids like you so much as a teacher, Dave. There you go. Um, because I am not going to overgrade. There were some things early on. Yeah, I mean, once, like, I, I would give the part, like I said, from that moment when Philip realizes the flight number to the end, that's quality. And the direction, cinematography, editing, it just was all, it had it going on. It was amazing. Now, that's not to say the stuff before then wasn't good. But the stuff before that was just more kind of like standard fare type stuff. 
Um, but once it really kicks in, that it, it kicks in hard. So I'm just I'm going like an A, just okay. regular old A. All right. I mean, I would argue that that the uh, you know the first. 35 to 40 minutes though was all of those confrontations that really are going to have significant or at least they should have significant repercussions down the road and and again we've only got three episodes remaining in season one so you know we'll see how it plays out Uh, anything you want to important i'm not saying i'm not saying it was bad don't don't i know i still thought it was really well you're giving it an a yeah yeah right i gave it an a like come on Yeah. So uh, anything you uh, want to mention that we haven't talked about? Well, just the whole moment, the dude moment of connection for Trevor and Gary is that they're going to watch golf together. It's like, wow. <laughs> and I know people, like, I know there's, there's uh, I, you know, I shouldn't denigrate the sport of golf. And I know, I mean, like, I've tried and I just, I'm terrible at it. And if I were good at it, I'd probably like it a lot more. But just like watching golf, it's not something I'm like, really like, Super into, I guess, and everything. No, so. but I, I guess the, the fact that he knows Gary loves to watch right, golf. Right. I mean, I would just as soon watch paint dry. You know what? But. That's funny. That's exactly what I wrote in my notes. Another good one. Uh, as we said, we got three to go. And want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you uh, with follow-ups about any of the Travelers episodes. Hey, maybe you're one of the people that saw the tweet about Birds of Prey. And if you are, you know. Tell us how you like that. I almost made me think that I want to go back and do a rewatch because it's been three years. Yeah. Uh, we could do a sci-fi TV rewatch rewatch. Yeah. No. Uh, we'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episode 10 of Travelers, titled Catherine. But until then... You know, Dave, whenever like, I'm just looking through my kitchen, you know, I just realized that, you know, that everyone needs a kettle for, like, tea. <laughs>